the number one thing is to own, know what you know and know what you don't know. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know something, but I'm going to find the answer. Hey guys, welcome back to the Currently Bossing Podcast, powered by the Boss Up Inc. On this podcast, we discuss all things relating to career, social media, influencer marketing, and what it really takes for you to create your mark in today's digital landscape. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, founder and CEO of The Boss Up Inc. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Currently Bossing Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, and today we're chatting with the Vogue commerce writer, Alexis Bennett. Alexis is an e-commerce expert who currently creates revenue-driving content for Vogue magazine. She was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but her love for fashion brought her to New York City. With seven years of experience creating content for publications such as InStyle, Essence, and Cosmo magazine, Alexis leverages her expertise to helping emerging and established brands improve their online presence and e-commerce efforts. Alexis, welcome to the show. All right, so Alexis, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on here just because I know all the amazing things that you're doing, and I'm excited for you to share and drop gems with our audience. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Brittany. Um, Really inspired by everything you're doing, so I'm happy to join you today. Yes, so excited. So the first thing that I always love to ask guests is about their career journey. And so Mm -hmm. if you can kind of just walk us through top line, like your career journey, um, yeah, start us off. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I I don't know how much time we have. There's so much I could say. But um, for me, I would say, obviously, my career really started after I graduated with my MBA. Um, I didn't have any fashion experience. I've originally moved to New York after I got my bachelor's degree. And then when I, going back to school was my way of my ticket into the city without a job. Yeah. So, you know, as I was like trying to figure out things, trying to figure out where I would work, how I'm going to, you know, take care of myself in New York City, I decided to go back to school because I had a scholarship and also that scholarship included housing. So that yeah. was my ticket into, you know, moving into the city and the reason I chose New York City, I'm originally from Florida. Um, I knew I wanted to work in fashion mm-hmm. and I didn't know exactly like what capacity um, I wanted to work in fashion. But I knew that New York City um, is one of the capitals of the fashion capitals of the world. So I really wanted to be here. I moved here, went back to school. And for me, my very first fashion internship was with BCBG in PR. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. <laughs> so, hated but it, like PR specifically? A little bit of both. PR and the company. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But for me, I got the opportunity as a publicist to work so much with editors from magazines and just like seeing the relationship between the publicist and the editor. I was like, you know what? I want to be on the other side. Like I want to be an editor. So from then on, I started figuring out, okay, what can I do? What do I need to do in order to become a fashion editor? So obviously, like the first step is you need to be a great writer. You need to, you know, there are different, there are different types of editors. There are what they call market editors who 
just style the pages of the magazines and pick out the clothes um, that would be featured. Yeah. But I really um, felt like I already had the skill to be a good writer. My undergraduate degree was actually in English and yeah. I specialized in editing, writing and media. So um, for me, it was kind of a natural transition to like, OK, let's not do PR. Let's let's try to go on the editorial side of things. So I just pretty much from that point on, once I made the decision, I was like, look, whoever will give me an opportunity, whether it's paid or not, I'm going to take it because I just need the experience. I need to have something to put on my resume. So even after I graduated with my MBA, I was interning for people for free. I was doing whatever I could to make sure that one day I would become an editor. And for me, the very first writing opportunity I got was with a magazine that doesn't exist anymore called Vibe Vixen. Okay. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. It's still around, but Vibe Vixen isn't around anymore. And so I was writing a little bit of fashion and beauty for them. Wasn't getting paid, but I was just so happy to have that opportunity. So I think a lot of times, too, um, especially when you're breaking into magazines, a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people confuse like the glamour of it and think like you get paid a lot. And especially entry level positions like most of the time you don't get paid any anything. Sometimes you'll get like a thousand dollars stipend for working with them for an entire quarter or something like that. So for me, a lot of people I feel like don't speak about, you know, having those side hustles. So wherever I could, you know, find some money to pay my rent. Like I worked at this place called 260 Sample Sale, which is a sample place in New York. Um, I also worked at, I spent a lot of time at Barney's. That was like my favorite side hustle job because it allowed me to also just get familiar with the collections and like see the clothes in person and stuff like that. Um, Even worked at Bed Bath & Beyond. Like that was only for like less than two weeks, but I still joke with my mom because she's like, you didn't even let me get my discount. (laughs) But like I literally did whatever I could to, you know, try to stay afloat, pay my bills, but also like, look, I have my eyes set on this target and I know what I want. I know what I need to do to get there. And all of it really paid off the sacrifice. So I would say that's kind of like the short slash long of like how I got started in the industry. So what would you say as you were going through kind of like the the different emotions in your career? Um, you know, you were very passionate, obviously, and you, nothing was going to stop you. What would you say were some of the things that kind of like kept you afloat? Because if you think about like some people, they might be going through the motions and they might get to a point where they're tired and they're just like, I want to give up. So what didn't allow you to give up? You know, I think along the way, the journey, um, I know how that can be where you feel like, um, okay, like, am I just working towards something that's never going to happen? Or I think there's like a, a fine line between like being or am I being desperate or am I being persistent? Like, wh- how do you know the difference? But I think in my journey specifically, I felt like every moment where like I felt like I wanted to to give up or just like go back home to Florida or try something else. Like God would send this little message saying like, no, you need to stay on this journey. So it would be like a, a maybe a small win, like something not even big or just, you know, oh, I got, you know, one more writing or this person wants to pay me $20 for a story. Like just little things that would show me like, OK, I think I'm on the right path. So for me, what really helped me not give up, too, is like 
I think it's important to have like a spiritual connection and have something that, you know, no matter what you believe in, whether that's Jesus or, you know, Buddha, whatever it is, the universe, whatever you believe in, I think it's important to make sure you have a spiritual guidance because that's going to also help you in every area of your life. Um, So for me, yeah, that was just like a constantly, you know, asking like, is this your will? If it's not like to remove this from my heart. And so, yeah, those little like little signs just really helped me helped me like on the path. I'll say one, I can give you a specific example. Um, So at this point I had graduated from, graduated with my MBA and where was I working at the time? I think I was, I had my first like full-time magazine job. I believe I was at Real Simple at this time. So I was a fashion assistant there working in the closet, um, fashion closet at the magazine. And but I was living in a studio apartment paying $1,400 a month and could barely afford it then. Like every single dollar I made had to go to my rent. And I was like, you know, I don't know how like I could continue to do this. And then the next year, I when it was time to renew my lease, I got a notification that it would be going up $100 a month. So I'm like, I can barely even pay this. Like, how am I going to pay $1,500 a month? And then I was like, I could move, get a cheaper spot. Like, I know I kind of was saying in like a very, in a very nice studio considering what nice is in New York. (laughs) And so what, oh, what? And then I was like, well, if I move though, I don't even have money to move because in order to move, you need to have, you know, first month, last month and a deposit, like moving in itself is expensive. And so, but what happened, I had a good, two good friends in New York. Um, one of them actually, so they were roommates. One Mm -hmm. of them got pregnant and moved out, moved away to Georgia during like the same time my lease was like going to be up. And so I became my other friend's roommate and I didn't have to do a deposit or anything like that because they had taken care of that. So for me, to me, that was like a sign, like, okay, God, you want me to stay? Cause I literally was like, I got to move to Florida. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So just like little stuff like that would just give me hope and like, to continue to do the work and like, you know, stay focused and keep up the faith. I think that is good that you can pay attention and you can kind of like assign those little things that happen throughout the trajectory of your life, because I feel like people need to see like little trinkets of hope or else like you're going to feel like the desire that God put in your heart is not there, you know, mm-hmm. but you have to keep moving forward. So to talk about moving forward and how you got to where you are today Talk to us a little bit about that journey to commerce and actually like what is a commerce writer? Because maybe people don't really know what your day to day looks like. Yeah. So I'll I'll go back before I got into commerce. And really, I kind of mentioned earlier how like at Vot Vixen, I was doing fashion and beauty coverage. And so I really think what helped me get into commerce is because like my portfolio was diversified. And even at the time, I I would get advice from editors saying like, you know, you need to choose one or the other. And, you know, there was a time, especially when magazines were and media outlets were a lot more profitable than they are now. And when, you know, back in the print heyday, you literally like at Vogue, where I work now, would have one editor who just does gloves and nothing else. Like they're focus is on gloves someone else does belts like Mm -hmm. for me to be doing fashion and beauty it really at the time was kind of like no you need to choose one but I'm glad I diversified and I feel like 
especially now, you have to have multiple skill sets and you have to just find more than one way to add value to a company. So that's what helped me get into commerce because all of the jobs, the commerce jobs that I've had so far as a commerce editor, they really want someone who kind of can be flexible in the type of content they can, that they can create. So even now um, at Vogue, like I'll do, I, I go back and forth between fat, doing fashion stories and some home living decor stories. So I was also hired to help out with the beauty team. I haven't done as much beauty, but you'll see sometimes like when I'm doing like a roundup of the best sales happening this week, I'll include some beauty like Sephora, Derm mm-hmm. Store. Um, so yeah, I will say that is what helps me move into commerce is because I already, you know, had a background where I can, I can write about so many different topics mm-hmm. that really helped me. And also just thinking with a mindset of measuring the success of your stories, isn't only about page views, like, you know, how can, how can we bring extra revenue to the company? And so for me, that's thinking about affiliate partnerships or, you know, maybe it's not even through affiliate links. Maybe we can do a limited uh, merchandise collection or partner with a brand for, you know, exclusive, uh, an exclusive collaboration. Um, so really just thinking about that mindset of different ways to bring revenue through the company through online shopping. Um, that has really helped me get to where I am now. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is kind of struggling? Like they feel like they're kind of pigeonholed in a certain category and they want to be versatile or they want to expand into maybe like other sectors. How would you recommend that they kind of position that? I would just say kind of sometimes in order to move forward, you have to take a step back. And I think a lot of times people are so afraid to do that. Um, So I would say, Let's say you're you just covering fashion right now, but you want to do more beauty. Mm-hmm. Well, whoever will give you an opportunity to cover beauty, do it. it whether it's paid or not, just do it. And that mm-hmm. way, not only are you getting something to add on your resume, but you're building that skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I would say, like, don't be afraid to take a step back to help push you forward. Um, that's like my biggest piece of advice there. No, I love that. And that's definitely something that I've had to do in my career, too. And I wanted to transition into the beauty industry, I have to take a step back from coordinator manager level to assistant. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that if you really are passionate about something, honestly. And Um, it's scary. It really is scary. I've definitely, you know, made some lateral moves in my career, but I feel like everything I did like really helps, you know, and it's giving me the type of experience and exposure that I need. And, you know, I think people sometimes put too much weight on titles too. So it's thing you have to really get out of your ego and into your purpose that's a um a quote that I got from Alex L like out of Ooh. your ego your purpose so I have to write that down um I love that <laughs> but yeah. yes I even like when you're thinking about your move to New York right you moved to New York from Florida and maybe the connections that you have to like work to build those connections like you have oh, to yeah. actually cultivate so can you talk a little bit about how powerful networking has been in your industry and maybe how how you would say it's helped cultivate it kind of like where you are now? Mm-hmm. I mean, networking is everything. I think, you know, sometimes I've never hired specifically for a position, but I do believe mm-hmm. whenever positions open up, like 
you know, I feel like at first editors will like ask their friends if you know anyone who would be good for this before they even post it on the website. So I think, you know, who you know is so important. And for me, I can say at least two of my jobs, I specifically knew the person who hired me before I was hired. So like my very first one was um, at InStyle. I interviewed at InStyle for an internship that I did not get, but I stayed in contact. Like while I was there, the lady who interviewed me introduced me to some of the other Black women who were in the office. And I was able to stay into con- in contact with one of them in maybe like a year later. It may have even been longer, but a year mm-hmm. of just like, hey, I saw you on Wendy Williams today. Like, I love those pajamas you were talking about. A year later, um, she reached out to me and asked me if I knew anyone interested in being a freelance fact checker. So that was like my very first job at InStyle, um, fact checking the magazine. And, and it's because I stayed in contact with her. We weren't friends or anything like that, but I would just maybe every two to three months mm-hmm. send her like one sentence or two. Like, I like what you did in the print issue. Like, this is cool. Just staying in touch with her. And another one, my my job at Cosmo, my manager, we actually met um, maybe like a year before I got the job at Cosmo, but uh, it may, maybe it was two years, but we met at Coachella and yeah. Just like we were Instagram friends, friends, so I would like her pictures and she would like mine whenever I posted stuff. But then when I saw the position open at Cosmo, because I'm the type of person too, when I apply for a job, I don't just submit my resume online. Like I need to try to talk to someone there and figure out, you know, you need to try to make like a human interaction and not don't just like rely on submitting online. So I was like, I know Rachel works there. Let me see if she knows anything about this role. So I DM'd her. I was like, hey, I saw this role is open. Like, I'm already doing such an amazing job at InStyle. I know I can do that and more for Cosmo. Like, do you, is there anything, like, you could tell me more about this position? And she was like, I'm actually the hiring manager. And I thought about you for the role, but I didn't know if you would be interested. So next day, I was in there for an interview, and I got the job. So I would just say, like, obviously, networking is everything. And also, I think it's important to just network. Don't try to network with people who are like only people who are ahead of you, but people who are also on the come up with you. And Mm -hmm. because you never know where they're going to be. And and also, you know, you guys can really like learn from each other's experiences. And I think that's so important. I see like just so many people around me who we started, you know, years ago and just seeing their growth and seeing how we can help each other, I think you know, networking across is just as important as networking up. So I love the point that you kind of made about both situations where you fostered a relationship, right? Like you Mm -hmm. not only came from it from a perspective of what can you do for me, but more of a perspective of, okay, let me actually add like some personal relatable touch. Like, let me keep up with you in this way, because that's what kind of like sets you apart from everyone else. Right. Like you actually care about the person instead Mm -hmm. of the value or the benefit that you can get from them, which I feel like sometimes can be like very heavy in places like New York where everyone's like looking for the next opportunity. But I love that, that. And now we're in a time where we're quarantined, right? Like it's COVID, we're in a pandemic and networking is a little bit tougher. So how would you say, I guess, like, you know, college grads could kind of like, just like navigate through networking during this time? I know virtual coffee dates are definitely key, but what else would you think? Yeah. I, you know, obviously 
there's never a good time for a pandemic for a pandemic. But I would say like we just have so much of an advantage because of the Internet and it makes the world such a smaller place like you could literally slide into anyone's DMs. A lot of people are home. They're not doing anything like I would definitely say, like, don't be afraid to DM someone who you look up to and just ask them a question like you'd be surprised who responds. So that's my number one tip is just to like slide in some DMs, like just do it. Um, Also, I think it's important to when you're reaching out to people to also think of how can I add value to their lives? Because also if, if nine times out of 10, someone who you look up to, they probably, you know, have a jam packed agenda. They have goals that they're trying to reach. So, you know, for them to take time out of their day, like, you should also try to find a way where you can add value to them. And it's not, you know, it's a two way street. So for me, like if there's someone I want to talk to, I'll just, you know, like think about how can I help them like genuinely. And that's what building relationships are about. It's like coming from a genuine place. Like, so just really, I think it's important to think about not only what they can do for you, but what you could do for them. And then like use LinkedIn. I think people are really sleep on LinkedIn. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity. One of my jobs, I, I when I worked at Self, she found me on LinkedIn. So make sure you have stuff updated. You're connecting with people, even if you're just liking like someone else's um, post. That'll yeah. like the way that the algorithm works on LinkedIn. It'll like say Alexis just like this. So it'll it'll keep you at the top of people's minds, even if you don't have anything to post. Like just like someone else's post. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I think just staying active online. Um, I really believe in the saying out of sight, out of mind. So yes. if something comes up, people will be like, oh, Alexis would probably be good at this. Like it just, you know, you just need to stay at the top of people's minds. And yeah, and also don't be afraid to follow up. I think a lot of people will say like, I reached out to them and I didn't have any luck. Well, you know, maybe they were they wanted to write you back, but then they got bit distracted. A text message, a phone call came in and just follow up, uh, politely follow up. Like, you know, the, the it's a numbers game. The more you reach out, the more no's you hear, the closer you'll get to a yes. So, Follow up game has to be so strong, especially now. Like, and I kind of mm-hmm. want to go into that, like mostly kind of like the art of sending a message or sending a DM because there is a right and wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure you've seen both sides of that. So what are some things that you feel like can really um, be compelling or what is a DM that you feel like you would open, you know, um, and want to respond to right away? Like what is the um, the format or the right way to do it? I love authenticity. So you can mm-hmm. tell when someone, you know, is kind of co- like copied and pasted message and they're DMing everyone, especially like for me, I get a lot of DMs from brands specifically, but I love when people are, are com- like, it sounds like you're coming from an authentic place. Um, mm-hmm. So especially with DMs, I feel like that's like one of the, you don't have to be as formal as you would in the email. Like that's one of the places you could kind of, you know, maybe act like you're like texting your home girl. So, but also being mindful of just like the atmosphere, especially like everything our country is going through right now and just like turn on the news and it's stressful and it's anxiety. So maybe say like, hey, like I hope you're doing okay right now. Like, or just being considerate and remember at at the end of the end of the day, this is the person 
Um, we're all living through a pandemic, you know, on top of the political climate in our country. So just like, I hope you're doing okay. You know, first like acknowledge that and, and then come through with your message, whatever you need to say. So for me, yeah, I love authenticity and just also like making that personal connection and letting them know that you also want to respect everything that's going on and like, and make sure they're okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's such a great point. Authenticity is key, especially, you know, during the current times and we're seeing such lack of transparency and authenticity. So, yes, definitely do that. Um, Thinking about just like your overall career trajectory and the projects that you've worked on, which are, I'm sure, so many. Can you think about a time that was where you worked on a project that was most rewarding or you just felt like, dang, I really did that after you accomplished it? Um, for me, it's always the ones like the ones that I think don't do won't do well, usually do well, or it'll be so for instance, um, recently, I wrote this story, which was it just came about from having a conversation with my coworkers about like, how the brand Kushni, um, it used to be known as Kushni at Ox, but mm-hmm. how they announced that because really, they couldn't um, survive during the pandemic, and they closed their doors. And so I was just saying how that was like my one fashion brand that I really looked up to, like back in my real simple days when I was in the fashion closet, I would watch their runway shows on YouTube over and over again. And just like imagine myself sitting front row as an editor and now it will never happen. Um, But also I was like, I want to wear cushiony when I get married. And then one one of my other coworkers told me she felt the same way. And they're like, you should write a story. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I'll write it. But this, you know, I don't know if it's going to help us make any money, you know, thinking about that bottom line and stuff. And I don't know if other people will feel the same way. And the story actually did pretty well. And I also won an award for it um, at Condé Nast. (laughs) So yeah, I won an award for it. Um, It was the best e-commerce story from a new hire. So didn't Love think it was. So it's always like, I think too, because I that story it really came from a genuine place, authenticity, you know. Yep. And so it's always like those moments. I feel like I think we, um, as humans or as journalists, we take for granted those small conversations. Like if you're having a conversation with your friend, like other people may want to talk about that or listen in on that. And those those are the type of things that make for good stories. So. I'm I'm trying to be more like cognizant of what I'm talking about with my friends and like, oh, should I make that a story? Should I write about that on Vogue? Like, yeah. so yeah, it's the it's the like small little things that are so natural and to you that can end up being like a good story. So yeah, it's really the relatability factor. So yeah. on top of that, you feel like I guess are some qualities that you know these places like. Vogue and Cosmo look at when they're looking for editors? Like, what does it really take to be a really good, impactful editor during this time? I think, well, in all of my job interviews, too, I think the number one, like, all of the ones, the jobs that I've gotten versus the jobs that I did not get that I interviewed for, I would say the biggest difference is that I went into the interview confident. And, Mm -hmm. like, I think that makes, like, no one wants to hire someone, even no matter what your skills are. Because if they want to work with you, they'll teach you. You, you know, you right. can be molded, you can learn. 
So I think the number one thing is to own, know what you know and know what you don't know. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know something, but I'm going to find the answer. Also, I think when you're looking for a job and interviewing, it's important to also, obviously we want to like, okay, can I do all of these responsibilities that they're looking for? But um, that's a whole nother conversation too. You don't need to have all of them. I would still apply. But also Mm -hmm. just like, what can that company offer you? So don't only think about, can I do this job? Can I offer this value to this company? Really think about um, what you want from them because it's a two-way street. And so like places like Vogue, you know, when, when I interviewed with my big boss, she told me she wants, you know, someone who doesn't agree with everything she has to say. So right. I think it's important, you know, not to be a yes person, but to, you know, have an opinion and to have an opinion that's, you know, based on some type of facts, too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would just say confidence um, and also not being afraid to let them know, okay, well, thank you. I see, you know, I can offer all of this to the company. This is what I need as an employee. Like I need this for my manager. Um, so yeah. And, and in order to say that you have to be confident. So um, yeah. those are like the main things I think are important when you're applying for jobs. And yeah, I think just that consistency, follow up, try to yeah. connect with a human being and not just submitting your resume through a portal. Um, yeah. Those are like super important to me. So can we talk about imposter syndrome a little bit? Because I feel like as women, there's um, a level of that. But then as black women or as a woman of color, there's a whole nother level of that, which includes kind of just like not feeling a part of the room that you're in or not feeling like you belong in a space. So how, what advice would you give to someone who might be battling imposter syndrome or might feel like they're not qualified for the positions that they want to go after in this industry or in general, really? Yeah, I think that's something I still struggle with to this day. But one thing, um, especially with my faith, is just knowing that any room that I'm in, like God put me in this room and I deserve to be here. And also you have to remember too, like people, people hire you for a reason. So if you're in a room, you have something to bring to the table, you have something to offer. And like, again, it goes back to confidence too. And just knowing that it's okay to not agree with what everyone has to say, because that's why you're there because of your unique perspective. And so, yeah, I think the whole imposter syndrome thing for me is just like, just remembering what I have to bring to the table and knowing that I've, I've done the work I've put in the work, like I deserve to be here. And I think you just have to, too, when you hear those voices in your head, you have to like, be like, uh, uh-uh, stop. Exactly. We're not going there. Shut up. Don't say that. That is not true. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you have to, not that I'm like psycho and I talk to myself all the time, but you really have to like, block it. Voices and like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not because it's a it's a slippery slope. Exactly. And once you go down there, that hill, like it's it's hard to come back. Mm-hmm. So you have to just kind of speak like positivity over your life, over who you are. And um for me, I think that's what's helping me and just knowing like, yes, I might not have what this person who's sitting across from the table has, but you know, I have this going on for me and and what I, you know, bring to the table is unique and it's needed at this table. Um, 
So that's kind of, you know, it's like I said, that's something I'm working on still, but that's how I'm getting through it. Yeah, it's definitely a journey. You have to get rid of those limiting beliefs, um, especially because like if you don't feel confident in yourself then people feel that energy and they won't feel confident in you and your ability too. So I love that you said that. Um, I want to talk about, you know, you kind of just like pushing through those boundaries and you working on some other things that are kind of just like adding more value to your skill set, but then helping other people add value. So what projects are you working on? What can we expect coming down the pipeline? Yeah, so I've actually like over the years been getting a lot of questions about e-commerce and just like people saying, look, I want to start a store. Like, do you have any resources for me or any advice? And so finally, I'm going to put together a lot of things I've learned over the years from working with so many different successful online brands. Um, You know, I've worked with everyone from like your from Nordstrom to like, um, you know, smaller boutiques like uh, Cult Gaia or, you know, Naked Wardrobe. And so I'm going to put together some of the best tips that I've gotten from those successful um, online brands. And I'm going to create basically it's a one on one e-commerce book that I have coming out later this year. So it's going to be for everyone who, you know, no matter your budget, whatever you um, you have, you can successfully get into this market. Like there's so much opportunity in the e-commerce space. And I really want, especially as, like as black women, like we need black people in general. We need side hustles. I don't I don't care what you what you do. You know, I think it's important to have multiple sources of income and e-commerce is such an easy, you know, I wouldn't say easy. It's simple. The barriers to entry are really low. Um, and obviously, everything you do is going to take work. But I want to share these tips and really help us all kind of come up in 2021 off of all the opportunities out there in e-commerce. I love that. So I, I'm personally really excited for it because I feel like it's going to help so many small businesses um, and just even like people who might not have launched the business yet, but it's going to really put them in the mindset to do it, especially mm-hmm. here um, the different brands and different people that you're going to have in there. So I'm excited. Yeah. Where can we, um, you know, kind of just like follow you and just make sure that we get notified whenever it launches? Yeah. Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram. My name is underscore. My handle is underscore. My name, Alexis Bennett. Um, and that's A-L-E-X-I-S-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And I have Twitter too. I rarely use it. It's the same handle. Um, I need to get more active on Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, if you guys want to sign up for alerts for my book, you can go to alexisbennett.co. C-O. No M. Yeah. So excited. (laughs) Yeah. DMs are open, honey. Like in her bio, it says DMs are open. So sign in her DMs. (laughs) Um, are there any final thoughts that you kind of want to add? Um, any last last call advice? Um, I think that's it. I, I love your work and just like the whole theme of bossing up. Like I, I want us all to boss up in 2020, in 2021. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for having me, Brittany. This is really fun. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited for everyone listening to kind of just like receive these gems. Um, we're going to have all of Alexa's info information in the show notes. So definitely look there and we will talk to you next week.
If you're not already, be sure to follow us over on Instagram at Currently Bossing and The Boss Up Inc. If you love our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your rating helps us to reach other bosses like you who are ready to level up and reach their truest potential. Tune in every Monday for our newest podcast episodes. We'll talk to you then. Bye.